much. We have a number of guests who have joined us today for our very first breakfast session. And I'm happy to say it's going to be worth your time. Karibu sana, Dr. Lucy. And uh, take it away. You will, Dr. Lucy will be our moderator for today. Karibu sana. Thank you. Thank you so much, Duncan. A very good morning to all that are joining us. Very excited uh, to be having this conversation with Moses. And I'll be telling you a little bit more about Moses and year in, year out, there are new developments in the world of customer experience. Customer expectations continue to grow and change. The business environment is more competitive than ever before. The place of customer experience in overall business strategy is clearer and uh, definitely customer experience is shaping the future of businesses. Many predictions have been made and many of them on the value of customer experience and they have come true and really, really excited about uh, Moses joining us today. Moses, probably many of you have interacted with him uh, in the area of digital transformation. And uh, he is the founder and CEO of Dot Survey. And it was for me the very first organization that I had that was uh, really developing very uh, great uh, digital solutions. And I believe that then about 20 years ago, uh, it was about the websites, but there is much more that has happened uh, since uh, Moses has been running that particular business. And at uh, Dot Survey, the first Kenyan digital business agency, really Moses uh, focuses on delivering high performance business results to his clients via the different digital channels. And in the recent past, I have interacted quite a lot with Moses and I have seen that he's become an as customer experience enthusiast in addition to being a digital transformation practitioner. But Moses as well comes to us today as a customer. And Moses, really glad to be having you today and would like to hear a little bit more from you in terms of why have you taken a keen interest in the world of customer experience? Yeah, thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here for this breakfast session. And yes, um, of course, as you mentioned, um, I've been a digital practitioner for over 20 years uh, in my business and also others. Um, I honestly believe that we are in a situation today where a lot of businesses um, are being commoditized, you know, in terms of service delivery and products. Between one and the next, it's becoming very, very hard to differentiate uh, which one is better, which one is worse, and more importantly, how that's driving customer or stakeholder decisions. So for me, I've taken a keen interest and I think I want to share with you a personal example that actually happened on my birthday last month. Uh, I was away on a trip with my family uh, for the holidays and on my birthday, I received an email from uh, KLM. And KLM, as you know, is a uh, airline um, who have a flying blue program that used to be part of Kenya Airways as well. And they sent me this email, first of all, acknowledging uh, that it's my birthday. And then the second thing they did is they then uh, reminded me that I have a Flying Blue account. And they then also said that they've given me a special offer immediately uh, without any, um, you know, me asking for it or anything of the sort. But I think there are several things that happened in that moment. One, they obviously used data to underpin those actions. They remembered me as a customer through my Kenyaris affiliation. They then immediately offered me a special offer to re sort of rekindle our relationship, even though we no longer are Flying Blue on Kenyaris. And for me, that was so transformational and emotionally moving that I was compelled to share some updates on social media about that. 
And for me, those are the kind of moments where I think when you think about customer experience, which is so diverse and so broad, whether we think about, you know, physical touch points or digital touch points, it's the idea that a brand or a business that is in a space that could be highly commoditized has the opportunity to deliver an exceptional service experience that transcends even what the customer believes is possible. And if you're able to do that, even in an area that feels commoditized, you have then the opportunity as a brand or an organization to actually just not retain your customers and potentially even turn them into advocates who can speak highly of the organization, what you have to offer. From a digital standpoint, I think I have seen this also being very important as we work with our clients across various digital solutions, whether it's their websites, mobile apps, social media, even email marketing. And it's so wonderful when you're able to sort of work with a client and work with them to see, okay, what can we do that is going to surprise and delight our customers? It could be a simple newsletter, keeping them up to date on what's happening. It could be leveraging social media interactions and community engagement to reach out to them and do things that they don't expect. And also using data to kind of understand who are these people, what do they love? And more importantly, then give them moments where you can do something exceptional that brings out that customer service experience. And I think we've seen this many times online when organizations create these videos where they show where they went above and beyond the call of duty to resolve a customer issue. Or they notice that maybe, you know, in football, you'll see a, a football brand has maybe a fan who's 80 years old and they do something special for them as a, as a supporter of that organization. But basically, for me, I'm a fan because I think we're in an era where many, there's a sense of sameness across the board. And customer experience becomes that way that you can really stand out and hold on to your customers and acquire new customers um, without necessarily having to market a lot, but rather to just deliver good service. Yeah, definitely. Uh, customer experience has become a key differentiator. And I remember, Moses, when you posted that uh, experience that you had with an airline, I asked myself last year, you know, I traveled with my dad on his 90th birthday and none of the airlines that we used recognize that it was actually his 90th birthday and yet he had his passport you know there are many many opportunities and especially a lot of the trends that we are seeing today are being driven by uh technology and uh what i would like also to do is to engage uh those that have joined us this morning and if you can post on the chat you know what are some of the trends that you're seeing being at the center of customer experience, how do you foresee the year 2024 to be different from what we have seen in the past? And probably even just bringing uh, Moses into that conversation in terms of, uh, you know, what 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 specific trends? I've had you mention data, you know, in terms of a lot of the decisions um, moving forward. And we've seen that even in the past, you know, what are some of the trends that you foresee this year to be at the center of customer experience transformation? What do you well, foresee? I don't think we can escape this one, but I think everything I look at, everywhere I look around me today is about generative AI, generative artificial intelligence. I think that is really the, the game changer across every scenario that we can see within the modern organization today. And I think from a customer experience, so, you know, uh, you know yeah, customer experience perspective, um, we need to think about how we're able to use these platforms to do things that are truly interesting with organizations. So again, with AI, we have the ability to, for instance, interrogate our data and surface key insights that allow us to maybe even identify whether customers are happy or not. Uh, sentiment analysis, being able to sort of look at the emotional barometer in terms of where are these customers with us day to day. So again, using data in the sense of sort of measuring and understanding customer sentiment across the board. I think AI um, with the... It's, again, the, um, the implication of generative AI, uh, we're able to use this uh, to create more human-like uh, customer experiences when it comes to things like chatbots 
and voice interfaces that connect into our data. Um, and I think we've got to think about things like the omni-channel opportunity, a space which I think in Kenya we're still sort of coming up to speed on, although I remember from last year's CX Awards, uh, we saw a lot of organizations having been a judge in the same that are really moving in this direction where they're looking at all their touch points and seeing how they can sort of unify and consolidate all those customer um, experiences and have sort of a, a uniform view or a holistic view of their customers so that I know what's happening when you come to the counter. I know what's happening when you're on social media. I know when you pick up the phone and talk to our customer service department, I still know it's you who's the same person. Now, if I can use that data to almost have a clear and holistic picture about your current experience, what's going on, possibly even identifying opportunities to upsell and cross-sell services that you clearly need, then AI, I think, will be central to creating those opportunities in how we engage our stakeholders and, more importantly, even go as far as predicting or even preempting what we think they might need from us as a business. I think there's no more powerful opportunity than this idea where you can actually see where the gaps are with your customer experience, where this person is concerned in terms of the products or service they have from you, and actually come out of the blocks and preemptively tell them, by the way, we think there's an opportunity here from you. I don't think many organizations have that capability or even that insight that if you can actually tell somebody well in advance, this is what you have or this is what you need, imagine what that customer will think of your organization. They'll think, wow, almost like a doctor, they're actually advising me and recommending things to me that I actually need. And to do that effectively today at scale, you need some form of AI. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Moses. And I would say that AI was a keyword in the world of customer experience last year. And I think what I'm hearing from you is that it will continue to be a keyword in our world this year as well. And uh, just looking back to the sort of conversations that we had last year, you know, we're talking about AI-driven interactions, you know, like through the chatbots, uh, chatbots as you have mentioned, and the use of AI in uh, the hyper-personalization of experiences for you to really have a good understanding of the customer as a segment of one. And we have also seen AI used a lot in terms of generating customer insights, you know, from the data that uh, that we have. And I'm really even just asking myself, even just thinking about Africa, thinking about Kenya, do you, do you think that we have what it takes to take advantage of uh, of that? From a technology perspective, from where you see, do we have what it takes to be able to take advantage of that? Are we at par with the rest of the world? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think first, uh, I think what we can say is thanks to the internet and technology in general, I don't think there's any distinction now between what happens in Africa and what happens, let's say, in North America, Europe. The customer yeah. is the customer, right? The yeah. same way I always like to think that when people are using Uber, there's not a Kenyan Uber or an American Uber, there's only one Uber. We are experiencing the same platform, a world-class uh, you know, taxi app in the way that the person in New York also experiences it. Therefore, I think when you put yourself in the customer's shoes, they do not expect a mediocre or less than impressive experience across uh, different things. And I think one of the most wonderful things I'm seeing in this AI space today, as much as Africa may, at least on the surface of it, appear to be falling behind, given that many of these innovations are being created and deployed from North America and other markets of that nature, uh, I think we can actually be on par and potentially even better. The reason I say this is because if you look at many of the AI platforms, even in Kenya today, we see, for instance, in the creative and the marketing space that a lot of brands, including people like Safaricom, um, mm -hmm. are using AI-created uh, visuals for their marketing purposes. In some instances, you might find that we're actually a little bit ahead in that area compared, let's say, to companies in Europe and North America. We are actually taking the lead in adopting some of these technologies. 
Um, we're also seeing, as I saw in the CX Awards last year, a lot of local organizations already using things like robotic process automation, automating things like loan processing, uh, claims processing, and so forth. We are already very much in this space. What maybe customers or consumers don't realize is this is happening in the background. Now, the other thing that really makes me excited, as you know, when ChatGPT launched in November 2022, it was the fastest adopted um, you know, platform to get to 100 million uh, users in less than two months. Um, that is telling us something. The interest and the appetite for these solutions is very, very high. But more importantly, we are seeing companies today like Microsoft who launched their co-pilots on Microsoft 365, which is actually infusing or permeating all the applications from Microsoft. What this means is that if you're willing to pay that slightly higher subscription, you can have the very same uh, platforms and capabilities that a Fortune 500 company in North America is using. Now, what does that mean? It means that the, the, the field has been leveled. There is a level playing field. There is a premium using some of these tools, but it does mean that you have the opportunity to plug in. You don't have to buy the servers necessarily. Uh, you just have to acquire the subscription, start using your personal or customer data in a private way on these platforms and start getting the advantages of AI. I'm going to share one last example with you of how this is actually happening in Kenya. Mm -hmm. Last week, I attended a technology event and I met somebody who's a CIO at one of the local hospital groups. And they told me that the way they're using generative AI is they bought a software or subscription that allows them to take their MRI scans and also things like x-rays, they put them into the system. And what happens is that it surfaces the you know, diagnosis through the cloud. But more importantly, it doesn't just support the doctor in terms of just giving a clearer diagnosis and more accuracy because a human still has to go through it and then submit it to the person who requested the insight or the data. But they're finding that the same solution actually surfaces other health issues from those scans. So the doctor will come back to you and say, look, I can see uh, that you have a fractured bone and this is a situation, but we've also seen that you have some abnormal cells in this tissue area, which suggests maybe a precursor to cancer. Now, the crazy thing is that this particular technology, from an AI standpoint, has also lowered the cost from 25,000 shillings to 600 shillings for the same diagnosis. This is happening right here in Nairobi. So when you think about AI use cases, I think it's very, and I think look at that in the context of customer experience, right? This is a hospital delivering better customer experience through AI, um, and possibly life-saving diagnosis. Now, look at it holistically, we're saying basically that AI is alive and well, it's going to permeate everything, but there's so many incredible opportunities, not just to improve the service uh, delivery, but also even to reduce the costs of being so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to make it easy for customers, because in customer experience, we like to say we want to make it easy for customers. And when you think about automation and uh, definitely as uh, CX professionals, we must then be able to appreciate the, the role that uh, AI and even any other kind of technology plays, but even be able to understand what is all this about. And even there's something you've mentioned about about data. And I also foresee it as one of the areas where there is a. There are, there are new trends coming up. You know, uh, customers are becoming a bit more cautious about their, the use of their data. How do you suppose that is going to look like for businesses this year? And I know First we'll be having a session where we'll get deeper into data protection, but just from where you see it, how do you see that? I think mm -hmm. the wake-up call has been sounded. We all know that the Office of the Data Protection Commissioner in Kenya has uh, issued some very uh, painful fines, including a school that was using you know, photographs of children in their marketing. I think they got something like 5 million shillings, and there are more and more instances of this happening. I think historically, we have not respected customer data or you know the fact that they have the, we have the information for different reasons. Another classic example is when you go to a restaurant, you just happen to pay by M-Pesa, 
but uh, then within a week, you start getting spammed with special offers and stuff. That was not consented data. And I think we're really entering the privacy-first era globally and locally where um, rules, regulations, and, and sort of key considerations are there. I've also seen a lot of research where uh, customers have been polled and asked around their thoughts around privacy of their data, and the sentiment is very, very high. I think more than 70% of respondents have said, I do not want my data to be used uh, without my consent, for whatever purposes it is. So I think the big the big wake-up call really has been with the instances of last year and the year before with the major fines and sort of organizations large and small having to come to the realization that customer data is privileged, customer data is private, um, that you cannot use it without consent, not to mention we have the laws and so forth. Uh, it's going to see a lot of organizations, for instance, registering with people like the Office of the Data Protection Commissioner, uh, mm -hmm. becoming a data controller or a data processor, depending on your role. Mm -hmm. We as a company, for instance, have had to register because we handle a lot of data on behalf of our clients. Uh, but the fines, I think, have been the thing that changes everything, where people are waking up saying, oh, my, I know now that if I use customer data in an unprivileged or consented way, uh, there are consequences in this case. So I think we're going to see uh, a lot of humans and a lot of people waking up and saying, you know what, don't just use my data without consent. Uh, yeah. Number two, um, make sure that if you are going to use customer data, uh, mm -hmm. use it in an ethical way uh, without necessarily in any way compromising uh, customer um, interactions. Yeah, yeah. And to some extent, uh, technology is coming in. And especially when you think about some of the adverts that we are seeing, you know, we are seeing AI generated images as opposed to use, the use of customer photos, you know, and uh, just probably uh, stepping a little bit uh, away from um, from AI or from technology. And I would like to hear a little bit from you. And there's something I saw that you had posted about the future, the future of work. And uh, I would like to just hear from you when you think about workplaces today. And um, I'm, I'm really hoping that this becomes the year that many organizations in Kenya get to focus on employee experience. It's our theme as a local customer experience community. What do you think needs to happen or what's your view about um, where this is leading to in terms of really focusing on more human-centric workplaces? What has been your experience out there in the marketplace? So let me give you a very interesting story. Um, at the beginning of COVID, I think it was what, March 2019, uh, two, two, sorry, two, was it 219 or 220? I'm even losing my track, 220. Mm -hmm. uh, we were one of the very first companies, I think, to close. We had a very small office, or rather we continued to have a small office. It was very clear that we were at risk uh, with proximity, you know, many of our employees using public transport and so forth. So we closed immediately. The good thing is that prior to that, probably several years, we already had moved all our workflows to the cloud. So everything was in Google Workspace, uh, a lot of our productivity, design tools and all in the cloud. So we didn't have any issues with that. But what has happened is that here we sit in February uh, 2024, and we're still working remotely. Uh, we are all in Nairobi, most of us. One of our employees is actually in Europe working remotely. And I think in the modern context, this is very difficult for people who uh, grew up in the traditional workspace sitting in an office. And I think what we're learning is that uh, people value their time, all right? And when I think about that, you know, from an empathetic and humane way, even I work from home uh, most of the time, although we maintain an office, so I think I'd like to see a situation where we start to look at people and say, do they need to sit for four hours in traffic every day? Can people have a more um, you know, empathetic lifestyle where they even spend more time with their families because they can have days in the office, days out of the office and work with them in a more uh, engaged way? We have the technology tools. COVID proved to us that you can work in this remote way. There are some compromises for sure, 
And even in markets like North America and Europe, we can see big organizations like IBM and so forth are now starting to demand managers come back to the office. But I think the wake-up call is that people have woken up to the idea that their quality of life uh, is more important than just uh, getting a paycheck. And I think mm-hmm. the organization today in the modern context, even in Kenya, you know, we're seeing it till today. People are extremely comfortable doing things using platforms like Zoom. Uh, I know now for a fact that most of my clients, some of them who used to demand we go to industrial area every week to have a weekly meeting, are now the biggest culprits of Google Meet and Microsoft Teams and Zoom. So the world has changed. And I think in that sense, even employees have changed. We need to look at them. We need to seek at them in a sort of a holistic way. How can we use technology to elevate their experience and also give them a lifestyle that gives them that flexibility to be where they want to be, do what they want to do without necessarily losing um, the productivity. And I think at the end of the day, what we're learning is that work is not a place you go to. Work is a thing that you do. And the outcomes is what you're measured by. If, If we can have, again, systems that don't necessarily do surveillance, but at least can kind of measure and score are you getting the stuff done to the desired quality on time, um, you know, with customer satisfaction, then that is going to be the new workplace today. And I'm glad to see that a lot of organizations that you'd never have imagined, even in Kenya, doing this kind of new uh, dispensation in the workplace are waking up. And I can tell you, HR managers and other practitioners are really, really uh, having to sort of reinvent and, and even work with their exco teams to sort of realize, guys, this old way of doing things from four years ago is not going to cut it. Our employees know there's a different way now, and we have to find a middle ground uh, to meet those needs, not to mention some of the mental health issues that we also see uh, surfacing as a result of, you know, sort of brutally telling people to come back to the office, for instance. We need to find a middle ground that works for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And it was very interesting last year, observing some of the organizations saying that, you know what, everybody needs to come back to the workplace, you know, and uh, not really having prepared the workplace for uh, the people they are asking to come back, you know, people worked away for four years and now they are being asked to come back. But I like it that many organizations are still providing their employees with a with a hybrid or with an opportunity to you to choose to completely work from home. In fact, I have one of my nephews who works in an organization that is 100 percent work from home. You know, they even have no no head offices at all. Wow. And um, yeah, and uh, in fact, I know we'll be getting a little deeper next week, Tuesday, and talking about human-centric workplaces. And I know the organizations that are even saying, if we get you to work from home, we don't want you to be working from your sofa. You know, we are providing you with a seat because we care about your, ego, what is it called, egocentric, <laughs> you know? Ergonomics. Yeah, econometrics. <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't want yeah. you to you know, in a place where it's not that very, very comfortable, and I'm I'm glad to hear that. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of the outlook into the future, there's a very high likelihood that we'll continue to see a hybrid in terms of people working from home, others working from uh, whatever you know on the go, and uh, just uh, stepping out of uh, the workplace and really getting to see what's happening around us as businesses. There is, of course, this conversation. Everybody last year was launching their sustainability strategy. And uh, as I think about uh, sustainability conversations, you know, they are not just about the environment. It's not just about planting trees. They are about sustainability of the business as a whole. And without customers, a business is really not, not sustainable. So I I don't know how much you have engaged with the sustainability agenda, you know, and uh, how do you foresee customer experience playing a role in in sustainability? Because sustainability is really about holding on to holding on to our customers so that our businesses can survive. 
you know, even as we do everything else out there around green energy, around um, uh, just climate change and the like, what are your thoughts around that? And what sort of outlook do we see in this year? Yeah, I think you've raised a very, very important point there. And I, I come from the school of thought that, you know, a customer gained or retained is better than a customer that you have to go out and, you know, look for from scratch. And I see this almost incestuous relationship. Let's say if we look at the financial services sector where, you know, you go down Waiyaki Way and you'll see 20 billboards all promoting a personal banking product from one bank or another, for instance. And the question I ask myself is, it's clearly not possible for all of these businesses to acquire yet a new customer. So you find this thing where customers are hopping from one to the next, they have a bad experience, they try another one, they have another bad experience, they try another one. Uh, but there's no loyalty in that sense because, again, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of these services are seen as being you know, commoditized. There's no reason to be loyal unless maybe you have a bank loan that you have to pay. So I think when I think about sustainability, I ask myself this question, right? We're spending so much money in marketing, let's say, in your sort of classic business context. You know, What if that money was reinvested in the business to figure out what do our customers want and need? And more importantly, how are we meeting them where they are now? If you take that budget, right, and then we're talking about sustainability, which also might have environmental implications because of the money being spent to put up billboards and so forth. Um, what if we just spent a bit more time and a few more resources and sometimes not in just technology, maybe hire more people to literally do just call outs and talk to customers and ask them, how are you doing? How can we add value? You know, how do we how do you feel about us? Could that be a way of achieving sustainability, meaning that rather than continuously trying to acquire more customers, which is important for any business, if we just keep the ones we have and keep them happy and uh, sustain that relationship and their business and upsell them and cross-sell them across our offerings, I think even the natural uh, recommendations or referrals will come right there and then. You may not need to do as much marketing. So I need to, when we put the, the customer at the center of everything we do and we are obsessed about the customer, then I don't know how much money we need to actually spend in marketing because guess what? That customer is going to be so happy. He's going to bring another 10 customers along, right? Yeah. And sustain that opportunity. So I think we need to think more about uh, activities and things that hold on to our customers. Another thing I'm seeing again that is coming out in the workplace uh, as we do work in the market with customers is as we do more and more bids and submissions or proposals, we are seeing questionnaires as part of our submissions that are asking us questions about our ESG, what we call the environment, sustainability and governance. And as it turns out, because we work remotely, um, this means to a large extent, you know, we've significantly review, reduced our, say, our collective carbon footprint because we're not commuting that much. Um, and these things are going to become more and more important, not just for the buyer of services, but even customers are now asking, how do you guys operate from a sustainable perspective? They want to know maybe your products are ethically produced, that maybe they're part of this fair trade group globally. Um, but people are asking tough, tough questions as customers around how you operate. And if they find that you're not operating ethically or efficiently or using the best practices in certain areas, customers might actually choose not to use your products or services. So again, to what extent is your organization being sustainable, adopting new technologies, for instance, like the AIs, you know, moving things from international data centers to local data centers, all of these things have elements of sustainability. And I think going forward, both from the customer and also even the uh, supplier side of things, these are going to become very, very important conversations. Yeah, yeah. And I really like what you have said in terms of a lot of budgets being spent in marketing, in um, sustainability efforts. Could we rethink and ask ourselves, what are we doing to retain those customers that we already have, even as we spend so much in marketing to attract other customers? And really, that's the customer experience philosophy that if uh, 
we get our customers to experience us in a way that they feel good about being our customers, then they are going to recommend. Even if they recommend just one more customer, that means we double our customer database, you know. And uh, I think you're really asking us as CX professionals to grab a chunk of that marketing budget, uh, yeah, and to see how that can then be used to make it easier for our customers to interact with us. Yeah, and uh, I think a lot of the things that I'm hearing from, from uh, from you, Moses, uh, sort of we, we are going to carry over, you know, some of the uh, conversations that we had last year, of course, into this year. I don't know whether they are going to be new conversations starting off. I think sometimes we just wait and see what happens in a, in a new year. And uh, just to summarize, uh, a lot of what you've said has been around the uh, AI-driven uh, digital experiences, you know, AI-driven customer insights. We've talked about increasing protection of uh, personal information or customer information of course the uh, the customer experience in uh in the sustainability agenda we've talked about the the workplaces you know we've talked about the need for organizations just to focus a little bit more on on their on their customers and please if there's any question that any of our guests have if you could post it on the chat if there's a lesson that you're learning you know what is your takeaway from this particular conversation even as i bring in moses to uh probably um make a parting shot you know as we go out this year it's already february 10 percent of the year is already done you know we still have 90 percent of the the year what's what's your message most of us joining in here today are customer experience professionals you know leading the organizations to getting to put the customer at the center of everything they do, at the center of the decisions that they make, at the center of the actions that they take. What's your what's your word for this community? So I want to reflect upon a podcast I did late last year with Liz Okomba of mm -hmm. NCBA. And NCBA, as you know, in the CX Awards, won a disproportionate number uh, of awards. And when you saw their submission, both from a technical and business processes perspective, you started to understand why. I think for me, when I think about customer experience, it doesn't just permeate um, the customer-facing side of things, what we traditionally called customer service, you know, which I believe is no longer seen as just a almost like a rubber stamp or a uh, a plaster that you put when things go wrong. You know, it's not a reactive uh, aspect of business anymore. It's something that should sit at the leadership level. You know, thinking about how to be customer obsessed and customer focused, how your products are developed around the customer. Uh, how you do your procurement, how you you know deal with suppliers, all of these are forms of customers. And I think building a customer-centric culture, I know it sounds a bit cliche when I say that, uh, because again, these are overused phrases and, and, and phrasisms. Um, I would say that it's about really everyone, including the Ataskari at the gate, you know, are those people customer-centric? And you go into organizations where you actually see it, how the you're greeted by the security guards, how you're handled through the office, um, whether they ask you whether you like a coffee or tea, you can usually tell the organizations that have a customer-centric culture or philosophy, you know, from the get-go. And I think it starts from the top, but it's how you handle also your internal employees uh, amongst themselves, leadership to them and vice versa. All these things are manifestations that I think there has to be a lot of accountability and also that uh, opportunity to not have the smartest guy in the room that anyone can contribute, anyone can be part of that transformation and journey. So my view is this, right? Rather than spending money trying to just build brand awareness um, and doing the marketing and so forth, portraying that you're good and fantastic, when your customers might tell you otherwise, you know, like we talk about the king's emperor, you know, you can be naked and the customer will tell you so uh, if you don't think you're naked. 
But more importantly, um, building that culture means that it permeates everything. It cuts across all the different departments. It's an ethos that the organization lives by. And usually at the customer touch point, we can see it and we can feel it. If organizations can invest significantly in that way, the way that I saw talking to Liz, um, where they talked about you know, NCBA and how they went through their customer experience transformation, uh, which ultimately led to them winning so many awards, um, I think that's a good benchmark in terms of what any organization can do uh, to be more successful. Remember, customer experience sometimes is not uh, high tech. You know, I'll give you a very simple example that I think is a fantastic customer experience opportunity that many can employ in December this year. You know, rather than sending e-cards and email messages, imagine if you will, starting maybe from September or October, handwriting Christmas cards and New Year's cards, physical cards that get delivered by hand or by post to each and every one of your customers saying, Happy New Year, thank you for being a customer, handwritten. Imagine what those customers will think and then use the insights from the data you have in terms of maybe their family or, you know, you know, details that you know about them to give them a very personalized communication in a handwritten letter or, you know, card. Imagine what that customer will think of your brand. You know, so think about customer experience as being sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to be high tech. It can be low tech, but can mm -hmm. be very impactful on the customer. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Moses. And yes, we must make it a way of life and get everybody to champion customer experience. I've seen a quick comment there from Janice where she's asking how CX can offer quality assurance when it comes to the use of AI. And I'm actually saying, you know what, even the technology team, you know, has to be their own quality assurance uh, leads, you know, because we don't want customer experience to come in and seem like we are policing what's happening everywhere. You know, we need those in technology to think about where am I putting an image where somebody has three hands? I think that's the example that she has given right there. <laughs> you know, she says there's yeah. a lot of doing rounds of a lady with three hands, you know, and if we get everybody then, you know, even listening to Moses as a champion for digital transformation, but also a champion for customer experience, you know, our wish is that everyone uh, in our organizations can then champion customer experience. So it doesn't become a preserve for those in customer experience. And really, really thank you for this conversation. I don't see any other question. Paul, is there any other question that has come through on the chat? And we would like to bring this conversation to an end. No, no yeah, question, only a comment from Victor Songa. He says, I yeah. love how you are connecting ESG with CX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was very brilliant, the way you connected it. You know, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more organizations this year also launching their sustainability agenda. And thank you, thank you so much, um, Moses, for having joined us for this conversation, one in a series of many, like I have mentioned, next week we'll be talking about uh, human-centric workplaces and be able to bring in a HR professional that will just be able to work with us in terms of what, are, what, what is really happening in the world of people from a customer experience perspective and how can we, as we put the customer at the center of everything that we do, how can we make sure that we also put the people at the center of the business because they're the ones that really uh, deliver on the experience. So once again, thank you. Thank you so much. And